Salutations, peace, and blessings. You're listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I am your host, The Commish. And if you are a football fan like yours truly, you are excited. You are ecstatic. You are beside yourself to watch the last three rounds of the 2021 NFL Draft. No more mocks. This is for, as I've said before, all the marbles. And I saw some fascinating picks. I saw some fascinating trades. I I can go down the list. This starting from Thursday night to where we are right now, the end of the third round. And I am beside myself. There were some moves that were made that were stunning. And be it stunning, you know, be it shocked, be it a surprise, incredible. This is what really makes the draft what you saw tonight in Cleveland. And for the last few nights that you're going to see in Cleveland, there were fans everywhere. Uh, Cleveland really did the draft right. Shout out to all those people. You know how much I represent Cleveland. I've only been there for about 10 minutes of my life. <laughs> this is going back a ways. But I always show some love to Cleveland. And the fans came out in full force. All fans. Not just Cleveland fans. I mean, all 32 teams were represented some way, somehow. And what looked to be about thousands of fans just within that, that location there. Um, one thing I will say about the NFL is that we won't have to worry about this type of phenomenon for years to come. There I even say decades to come. It, this has become a spectacle like no other when you're talking about the NFL draft. I attended a draft several years ago in 2014, the last time they were in New York City at Radio City Music Hall. And it's nothing, absolutely nothing in comparison to what you see right now. This has become an extravagance like no other. I mean, we've got bands. We've got fans coming up to the podium now, which I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not crazy about that. You don't know what kind of fans up there are kind of, you know. I mean, they're, they're representing their team, and I get all that. But before I go on a tangent, you know, sometimes the fans just need to stay put. Some of those fans might have been a little looted, if you know what I mean. They might have had a little bit to drink, maybe even a little bit to sip and smoke. But, you know, I won't digress on that tonight. Everybody was feeling lively. Everybody was excited and having a good time. So I'm not going to take down the mood. But considering what I saw with some of these teams, I am going to make it my due diligence to work on which teams I felt were the winners of the draft and perhaps the losers of the draft in my next episode. This episode is going to concentrate a lot on the first round of the NFL draft. And I'm going to center in on the first round because it left me scratching my head of a number of things that I saw. One thing that stood out that I made mention here on this podcast was what the San Francisco 49ers were going to do with that third pick overall. And I nailed it. And I'm going to brag about it because sometimes I got to pat myself on the back. The commish deserves a little bit of credit for what he's seen and analyzed and and digested and and, and interpreted and how things were exercised. San Fran, like I said before, about a month or so ago, San Fran made the move with all help 
coming from GM John Lynch, a guy I really respect. They decided to pull the trigger and go to Miami and say, we want to move up to three. And at the time it happened, you know, your, your mind probably left your body. You, before long, you, you were stunned at what was happening. You didn't, it didn't make any sense for San Fran to be where they were and to move up to number three. But it was evident why they did it. See, there, there was no uncertainty as to why they made that move, because it was obvious that they saw a quarterback that they wanted for the long term. And, you know, I heard from, from that from the moment they made that trade to now, I've heard from all the commentators, all the journalists that you've heard on ESPN, Fox Sports, uh, NBC Sports, you name it. I've heard everybody for the last month of some change talk about how Mac Jones was going to be that number three pick. And I knew, see, the commission knew that they were dead wrong. I knew they were, you know, they were reaching. They were they were trying to find a reason to why Sam Fran would do what they did. And, you know, I wasn't convinced either way by anybody what they had to say on TV. Everybody had their own speculation. Everybody had their own opinion. That's fine. But you don't move up from the 12th spot, giving up all those first round picks for Mac Jones. You don't do that. You see how far he dropped in the draft. And then everybody the next day talked about how intelligent, how smart New England was. They weren't smart. This is a business, ladies and gentlemen, whether they know it and don't want to recognize it, whether these media fools feel like they know more than the NFL people and business people, when you're talking about the New England Patriots, there is no reason in the world that they have to trade up for anybody. If they didn't have to trade up for Tom Brady, then why the hell would they need to trade up now for Mac Jones? Listen, the commission said it himself. Mac Jones, if he were to last past the 15th pick, which of course is New England, then chances are he would probably drop into the second round and perhaps going into the third. Because for anybody that saw rounds two and rounds three, there weren't a lot of quarterbacks picked. There might have been maybe three overall in rounds two and three. But the point I was trying to make is it would not made any sense at all for San Francisco to decide to move up the draft to go after a Mac Jones number three overall. He was not that spectacular. Yes, he did a number of things in Alabama that proved that he deserved the Davey O'Brien Award. And I'm not taking that away from Mac Jones whatsoever. He deserved it. He had a great year, but he was surrounded by great talent overall on offense. The offensive line was talented. The receiving core was talented. His running back was talented. He was blessed to be in the position that he was called an anomaly. He was blessed to be in the position that he was to be able to capitalize with a winning team like the Alabama Crimson Tide for this past season. 
of course it helps to have a coach like Nick Saban there to guide you through the season. But this was indicative of what Alabama was going into this season. Interesting enough, somebody had brought up the point that Mac Jones is not going to have it as good in New England because his best receivers were there at Alabama. They're not going to be there in New England. And you laugh because you figure these are professionals, but he had a point. The best receivers he ever had were at Alabama because those receivers went in the first round. They went before him. That just shows you how talented, how amazing, how incredible these receivers were and how that offense was. Anybody could have been a a award or award recipient or a finalist, what have you, because they were that good. So when, when Mac Jones went to 15th, it didn't shock me. It would have shocked me more if he dropped past New England. Maybe New England didn't want to look into investing into a quarterback, but they did. But more importantly, San Francisco had to be just as smart to know that he would have to drop that far, considering that nobody else was going to move up for him anyway. So if you if you think that New England was smart for just staying where they were, San Fran could have been just as smart for doing the same thing if they wanted Mac Jones. The point to my story is the fact that they were not going after Mac Jones at all. But they can't tell us that. They can't tell us that prior to draft day. That's a rule of thumb. You 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 would have destroyed the golden rule if you decided to come out and say, we don't want Mac Jones. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we figured that. At least I figured it. These fools on TV were clueless. And the number of mock drafts they did, they had Mac Jones going three, and they were adamant. One person said, and I'm not going to name the person, but he came out and said that that was a good pick for San Fran, but you wonder what the future's going to be like with Trey Lance as the quarterback. Excuse you. There's a reason why he was selected and not Mac Jones and not even Justin Fields who I think is the second best talented quarterback to be in the draft behind Trevor Lawrence. So if he goes up the three overall past Justin Fields, past Mac Jones, then what do you really know about quarterbacks to begin with? What do you know about the San Francisco organization? To think that you would have had it paid, that Mac Jones would have been that quarterback at number three. One commentator or scout came out and said that he didn't see Mac Jones even be selected in the first round. So if he felt that way about Mac Jones, you have to believe there were a slew of people, scouts, assistant coaches, quarterback coaches, head coaches, that probably felt the same way about Mac Jones. And I'm not throwing shade on Mac Jones, but give me a break if you're going to sit there and tell me that San Fran made a good pick in Trey Lance when you didn't give Trey Lance a shot to begin with. Don't try to cover yourself up by thinking that you knew more than San Francisco when they picked Trey Lance just days or weeks prior to you downing the man because he didn't take enough snaps, because he wasn't experienced enough to go third overall. Who are you to make that call? How many people are on TV right now thinking that they just knew that much more about San Francisco than the other people out there that probably knew less about Trey Lance? 
for what we saw of Trey Lance, there was nothing to down the man, considering that the man didn't even throw an interception during the time that they played. He can't control North Dakota State if they decide that they don't want to play football for the rest of that season. COVID hits and everybody's panicking. So naturally, relatively speaking, they decided to stop the season. What might have hurt Trey Lance, if you want to say that, is the fact that he probably couldn't replicate what he did the year prior to where we were now in 2020. But again, that's not his fault. He can't control what the program decides to do. But you got to people out there that really think they know more about everybody else. Stop it. Either you know about talent or you don't. Either you have a clue about these people or you don't. And it just drove me nuts to hear how New England was smart for not moving up to get Mac Jones. So if you're saying that New England was smart enough not to get Mac Jones, then what were you saying about San Francisco all this time when you thought they were going to pick Mac Jones? That they were clueless? That they were foolish to think such a thing? See, in this business, you know just from watching enough film just from listening to what these people say in interviews, these these young men in interviews, they, they have a clue as to what type of personality they have that fits the regime of the team. So for what you get in Trey Lance and for what he could provide for San Francisco, I wish that man all the best. I truly do. This brother has an opportunity to prove a lot of people wrong. But at the same time, there's a method to San Francisco's madness. And the beauty of all this is as long as Garoppolo stays healthy, they don't have to use Trey Lance. They don't want to use Trey Lance. If they can sit on this man for at least a season, perhaps even two seasons, then they've won overall. They've won the battle in this draft because they get to exercise exactly what it is they were trying to do. Trey Lance goes number three overall, and everyone's stunned. Why? Why? I wasn't stunned. It's the reason why they moved up in the first place. Justin Fields dropped in the draft. Man dropped to 11th. That was a shock to me. He was definitely a top 10 talent. But see, uh, Atlanta picks Kyle Pitts fourth overall. And then you see Detroit pick Penny Swell, number seven overall. And then the Panthers went with J.C. Horn over, uh, overall, an eighth pick. Now you see a trend. Uh-oh. And then on top of the fact, Denver decides to get Teddy Bridgewater from Carolina. Uh-oh. So now the chances of Justin Fields going to Denver dwindles. It erases which I still think if John Elway really wanted to pull the trigger, he still should have gotten Justin Fields. But every opportunity for Justin Fields to be within the top 10 disappeared right after Sewell went seventh and Carolina went eighth in getting um, J.C. Uh, Horn. And it's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate. I thought that Denver would have pulled the trigger and gotten Justin Fields. He was the perfect fit for that team and for that offense they were running. But I got to believe it's the reason why they got Teddy Bridgewater, because for the amount of money they're paying for Teddy Bridgewater to play in Denver, which is, really isn't a lot, 
Then they get the juggled Bridgewater and Drew Locke, which means they were really set on Drew Locke to begin with, and they didn't want him to go away. They see promise in Drew Locke. Okay, fine, if you say so. You ask me, I, I firmly believe, strongly believe that Justin Fields is way more talented than Drew Locke. You probably would have had a better investment in Justin Fields because he is a dual threat, which is what you want in the NFL these days. It's the reason why San Francisco moved up nine spots to get trade lands. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls are listening to my voice today. The future of the quarterback, you can run the ball now. I remember 20-something years ago, they they threw shade. They downed Donovan McNabb for running out the pocket. They downed Steve McNair for running out the pocket. They downed a lot of quarterbacks that decided to use their feet more than pass the ball. And now sometime later, look at you. Now we want that type of style back in the NFL because it does, it creates another uh, dynamic for the offense. They don't always have to sit in the pocket and pass. That's too predictable. These these defensive linemen, these defensive uh, linebackers are getting too fast. When they blitz, these quarterbacks are sitting ducks. Nobody can protect them. So if you got to run, run. If it means getting five yards in the first down, do it. Just don't get hurt. And that's what Denver passed on. Chicago sits there and decides to trade up nine spots for this guy. 11th overall, which I'm not saying wasn't a good move. But where do we see this last? When he decided to move up 18 spots or something like that to get Trubisky number two overall? 2017 I mean if you are a fan of Chicago shout out to everybody out there in Chi-Town listening to me if you are a fan of the Bears I applaud you because you do have probably the, the, the best or near best talented quarterback in the draft with Justin Fields you get what it is that you need in offense where he can pass the ball run the ball for 10 yards perhaps a pop you know what I'm saying? This is this is what you want for this type of offense. But the problem with Chicago, and somebody brought this up, there's so many quarterbacks that disappear after maybe a few years in the league. You don't hear from them. They're not as progressive. They don't produce. And before long, they're gone. And anybody that knows anything about Ohio State quarterbacks, oh, man, I don't want to bring this up. But even Justin Fields himself, his look on his face was so discouraged, you would have thought this man was going to the Jets. <laughs> Who's to say if he wouldn't have had a better opportunity with the Jets right now than in Chicago? But without digressing any further, the, the draft was awesome. It was, the first round was unbelievable. For those that followed my mock draft, I was pretty good the first 10 picks. There were a lot of guys that went where I thought they would go. Interesting enough, Dallas, I'll touch on the next time I'm on the show, Dallas surprised me. The last three rounds, this past third round that they had was really a shocker to me. Dallas decides to trade with Philly. They trade down two spots and still get their man in Micah Parsons, a person that I predicted for them to get at 10. 
But Philly got nervous. Philly saw Devontae Smith there sitting pretty. And they knew Dallas was not going to get another receiver. So what does Philly do? We got to give him a call. We want Devontae Smith. We want that brother bad. Dallas and Jerry Jones said, oh, how bad do you really want him? And before long, they get a third round pick for this guy. They drop down to 12. And it works out for both teams. Now, if you ask me, a fan of Washington, I understand his business, but I don't like what Dallas did. No, or better yet, I don't like what Philly did. Dallas is the recipient of that. They benefit from this. But I guess the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So you got to do what's right for your organization for the better of somebody else's organization. They both know they don't want to see the Giants shine. So let's make sure the Giants don't get an opportunity <laughs> to get Devontae Smith, which is amazing. They had to make sure that the Giants at 11 didn't get Devontae Smith. And so it is. But this is business. This is what we see almost every year draft time. But it's just more exciting when you see these teams going at each other for these picks. Because it really means that much to have such remarkable players, outstanding talent on teams that they know could use this talent. Who would have thought that Kyle Pitts, a tight end, would go in the top five? But a lot of that is just speculation. A lot of that is just hype. It's not to take away from Kyle Pitts and his talents. But you mean to tell me that having Kyle Pitts for Atlanta makes that team any better? See, I had them picking an offensive lineman as well, and that would have made more sense because you can get a tight end in the second or third round. But of course, Kyle Pitts is an outstanding talent. You can't pass up on that, right? So let's see what happens with the Falcons if they decide that they're going to get themselves an offensive lineman after the third round or fourth round, what have you. I can't recall if they picked up an offensive lineman, but I'll do more of that the next show. I'm just basically centering around the first round of the draft because it was amazing. It was amazing to see what a lot of these teams did to move up to get the guys they needed, and they picked well. They picked well. The Jets, I'm going to shout them out later. They did good. I know a few Jet fans. You guys should be proud out there in New York and New Jersey. They did good or anywhere else in the, in the country. But I'm just saying, for some of these teams, they did their homework. They realized how important this draft was just because of the amount of talent that was available. Now, <laughs> if I'm going to throw shade on anybody, it might be the Giants. Shout out all Giant fans out there. What the heck happened? You guys dropped the 20 and you went after Card Cardarius Tony? Or Cardarius Tony? I don't know how to pronounce his brother's name. I don't care. He's not going to survive in the NFC East. And I ain't throwing shade on Tony. This dude, Kadarius Tony, was, was, was projected to go second round. Some people thought late second round, third round, which, you know, could be a stretch when you talk about how talented he was. But for some reason, the Jets decide to trade down for him when they had other receivers that might have been a little bit better than Kendarius Tony, But you trade down the 20 to get him? 
considering what other defensive talents were available. I mean, they got an edge rush in the second round from the, the gentleman from Georgia. I think it was Aziz Ojolari, who I thought would go in the first round. But they get him in the second round. But that would have been a more uh, respected pick at 20 than to get him in the second round. You think of everybody else they probably could have gotten at 20. Why was this guy that significant? Why did he have to go 20 overall? And I'm not knocking Kadarius Tony. I think he's a great receiver. But I saw him going to Tampa Bay, and that was late first round, going into the second. So for him to go at 20, that might have been a little too high for their stakes. But you know what? The Giants are going to do what they want to do. And I promise you, the next show I do, I'm going to touch on the GMs because a lot of what I saw in the first round of this draft, some knew what they were doing, but there's a whole lot of GMs that are clueless when you're talking about the draft. So says the commission. I can go on and on with this, and I want to, but I am pressed for time, and I want to just touch on some of the things I saw in the first round of the draft. There were a lot of teams that had great drafts thus far three rounds in and with the next episode that i do i promise i will touch on the winners and losers of the draft in whole for all seven rounds and i will touch on general managers because it really does show to me it shows just how these general managers don't understand they haven't a clue about the players and the talent that comes from these players when it's time to make selections based off need and not so much want. But I'll touch on that again when the time comes. You have been listening to the Kneel Down podcast. I am the commish. I'm going to cut this short while I still can breathe and, 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 and not see the back of my eyelids. I'm fighting sleep as we speak, but it's been a pleasure talking to everyone this evening. I thank you from the bottom of my heart from listening to the show. I'm going to try to do it again in a few hours. Peace and love to all those out there. Stay safe. I'm out.